You're listening to the podcast for Inforum, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Buy tickets to upcoming live events in San Francisco at InforumSF.org. Want even more Inforum? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at InforumSF. Hello. Hello, Commonwealth Club. And welcome, Alaska. Welcome to San Francisco. Give it up one more time for Alaska. Hello. Oh, hello. (laughs) It's on. We can hear it. It's, It's work. Yes. Um, you look stunning as usual. Thank you. This is just how I wake up in the day. She woke up like this. morning. <laughs> I mean, I, what I want to know is how do you look this good after being on Drag Race 10 years ago? Can you believe it? We're so vintage. <laughs> how? It's so wild. How have uh, we survived this long? Oh, girl, because we're we're from the classic season. That's right. We're classic. <laughs> uh, I feel like at this point, maybe we're even vintage. We're totally vintage. I love it. I just did a tour with um, Detox and Roxy, and it was like a Relaska Talks thing. Oh, and... my gosh. I saw that, actually. Yeah. It was really fun, but we were all like, wow, we're really old. We're really, like, out here doing this. Like, it seems so not long ago because Drag Race is just, like, I mean, for me, it's, like, the air and the water I breathe and, like, I'm in it all the time. So I'm like, it doesn't feel like 100 years ago, but it was. Right. Well, I mean, along those lines, how do you keep it fresh? How does it not, like, how do you not get bored? How do you keep going? I mean, very I fresh. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, no, I don't know. I just like doing drag. Yeah. I like doing drag, and so I do drag that I like. There you go. Yeah. And still looking stunning, still selling out shows, still touring all the time. You just finished doing a show in L.A., didn't you? Yeah, we just did Head Over Heels. It's a musical. Um, and... Yeah, it's really wild. It was really cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was about? Well, have any of you heard of Head Over Heels? It was like, it was on Broadway and it was the show that um, Peppermint was in. And um, the show is a really big deal because it was very queer centric and queer storylines and like gender and like dealing with all of these things that you don't normally see in Broadway. And that was like 2018. So like just in that time, so much has like evolved in terms of like conversations about gender and like queerness and all of this. So they're like, so at the Pasadena Playhouse in L.A., they were like, let's do it. And they like really like flipped it even more. So it was like, so I played the queen of the kingdom. Yes. Um, Leah Delaria played the king. And uh, I don't know. It was really fun. I love that. Well, congratulations on a successful run. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to not shave. <laughs> Uh, How many shows a week were you doing? This past week, we did eight shows in a week, which is preposterous. 
And it's like, okay, like when it's a drag show, it's like at least you can change your hair and be like, okay, I'm bored. I'm going to like change my eyelashes. This is like proper theater. It has to be the exact same clothes and words and everything. Um, So like it's nice to like be blonde again. <laughs> really nice. Did they not let you be blonde in the show? She, I'm. I was an actor, so she had red hair. Okay, yes, yeah. yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we talked a little bit, or you just mentioned about how the show really talked about the evolution of gender and gender roles, and you know, Drag Race has a really interesting history with gender because um, for years they didn't allow trans contestants to be on the race, or at least openly trans contestants. In fact, our season was had the first. Um, person who came out as trans while they were on the show monica beverly hills yes Um, and now speaking to the most recent season we have not only trans people but also a cisgender woman who's going to be appearing on the show Mm -hmm. and then also a cis hetero man who's going to be on the show Mm -hmm. so what are your thoughts on that um I mean, I mean, it was always like I it it took a second for Drag Race to catch up because Drag Race, in a lot of ways, was like educating the world about drag. So they were like, okay, we're going to take a few years to like, we're going to teach the world about drag a little bit. But for us, it was like. I've always been in the dressing room with trans women right. from the, for anyone who's done drag has. So it's like that. So it was like weird to me to be like, no, no, you're not allowed. That's too much. It was like, but that's what drag is. And if we're like teaching people about drag, that's the reality of what our community is. So it's good that they're like catching up and it's, you know, they're going to keep evolving and they're going to keep like changing and that's good. Um, and I, I feel so much for the straight guy who's the contestant on the new season. I'm just like, he better be the most sickening ass <laughs> queen. Because right. if he's not, it's like, why? Right. Yeah. And we, you know, I've always been like, we, like drag is drag is for everyone drag drag sh- everyone should do drag and try drag and be a part of it like everyone is invited to the party i guess where it gets like a little questionable is when it's like oh you could have given that spot to someone else but i don't know i'm going to wait and i'm going to see how it goes and i hope she's sickly yes <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of sickening, you've written a really sickening book for all of us to enjoy. My name's yours. What's Alaska? Congratulations. Um, Thanks. I do love the title, but I'm also wondering if this is your way of telling us that you're finally dropping the last two parts of your name officially. No? Yes? Where? It says it right on there. It oh, says it does. Al- it's my. Well, I know. No, this is an <laughs> ongoing conversation. <laughs> Because, but I'm like, I'm really flexible with with my name. You can call me Alaska, like Cher. Just, you can call me one name. If you want to Google me, but not get in trouble, you can Google Alaska 5000. And if you just want to find me on iTunes, it's Alaska Thunderfuck. Or Alaska Thunderfuck 5000. Alaska Louise Thunderfuck 5000. 
So, so what? Like, so what you were saying is that I should get my prescriptions checked and look at the fine print. That's the Alaska <laughs> thunder bus. The underneath the big Alaska question uh, mark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I got the chance to peruse the book, and um, for those of you who haven't seen it yet, it is beautiful. Um, it's filled with lots of pictures and memorabilia from over the years, as well as a lot of really personal stories. So I wanted to ask you, what was your process like for actually writing this book? Did you you know, do it over a few years, or did you knock it out at some writer's retreat, or what was that like? Writing is hard. Are there any writers in the building today? Writing is fucking hard, so God bless you. It's, I don't, I'm not, I was like, I'm a, I, I love writing. <laughs> I could have just done a book that was like a bunch of pictures and like two words on each page, like put high on one page, put anus on another page and fill it with pictures. But I was like, no, I'm a writer. I want to write a book. Ugh. So we did that process. We did that process of, um, it took like, I don't know, a couple of years. We talked to everybody who's, who I talk about in the book, uh, cause my memory is full of holes. So we talked to everybody and like, sort of like put together the story as to what actually happened. Um, and it was like a really long therapy session and then it's a therapy session. You have to go back and proofread and make sure the commas are in the right place. So it's very, very hard. I have so much respect for writers. Um, but it's, it's really pretty and I'm happy with how it turned out. Well, me too. And I'm, I'm wondering if you can tell us about where all these pictures came from. Well, the majority of them came from my dear friend Caldwell. Um, shout out to Caldwell. Are we online? Are we on the internet? Are we streaming live on the internet? <laughs> um, no, shout out to my dear friend Caldwell, who was basically following us all around in Pittsburgh. Uh, like, was at every single drag show. Caldwell was the first non-binary they person I ever knew. And this was a long time ago. So Caldwell was was really modern. A transcender. Tra yes, exactly. The, and um and just really captured the like the taste and the feeling of being there. And was, you know was part of our family. So that's predominantly, that's where all the pictures come from. And then there's a bunch of pictures by Magnus, uh, Magnus Hastings, who's an amazing, he did the, um, he did the one on the cover. Um, and yeah, pictures are pretty. They're very pretty. Um, but there's also a lot of meat to your book. And I was wondering, what is your, what was your favorite part about writing it? Is there a favorite chapter that you have or a favorite portion of the book? I like the stuff that, like, because I feel like a lot of people know about, like, post-drag race, like, uh, like things that happen in the world of drag. And there's this, like, when I first started drag was right before drag race existed. I can't imagine a world where drag race doesn't exist now. But that was, like, when I was starting, and it was... And I was figuring out what the fuck I was doing. And that, that to me, that's really fun. Just a disastrous show. My best friend Jeremy is here over there. Um, 
He's a major character in the book. Uh, but we did a show once, and it was called Sh- at an event called Shits and Giggles in Los Angeles. And we decided we wanted to do a Stevie Nicks number. Uh, and we wanted to sing it live, even though it wasn't set up for that. And it, it, everything that could have possibly gone wrong went wrong. In this performance, I wanted to do a tearaway and reveal um, I Love Stevie written on my chest. I was like, this is fierce. But my dress was made of saran wrap. I couldn't rip the saran wrap open. (laughs) And I sweat. Then once I finally did rip it and shimmy it down, it had smeared off my body. I transposed the track into the wrong key, so it sounded horrible. I didn't know what key to sing it in. It was it was horrible. But that's the night that the a producer from this new show called Drag Race approached me after the show and was like, "You should be on this show, honey." And it was the worst fucking performance we ever did. <laughs> Well, from there, it was just like, you know, they were just going to be wowed. If they loved that, they were going to be really wowed by what came next. I think they wanted a, they wanted a gutter boots queen right. to kick off first season one. And I'm so glad I didn't get Kaz. Oh, that was back on season one. That was before yes. Drag Race. Oh, yes. wow. Okay. Interesting. Because they were like going around, like casting the show. They were like going to clubs. Right. And I don't know what possessed this casting director to be like, we want that one. <laughs> it was a little gutter. It was horrible. And then and then it took you kind of five years before you finally did get on the show. Yes. And then you kind of stole the show. I mean. Um Yeah, well, yeah, it was you fun. worked it out. So what happened in between that one that season one and season five, do you think? Oh my god. I don't <laughs> I just kept doing drag because I was very like it it getting rejected over and over and over again yeah. is great because it makes you be like okay what is fucked up about me what is horrible about what my drag that i'm doing and how can i be better at it yeah. so it forced me to like that's when i discovered what nails are right which i'm wearing under these gloves i swear <laughs> i'm wearing long luxurious nails um i discovered like what a lace front was they didn't really even have those back in the day like not really right it was very on the cusp of that even existing and i was like a lace huh right what is lace yeah so it was like so it forced me to like keep going and keep trying and so i did videos for i did so many audition tapes for them i did some where i was trying to be the perfect thing that i thought they wanted i was doing ones where i was like well fuck you i don't care if i get on your stupid show and then like somewhere in the middle i finally got on yeah yeah well sounds like there were a lot of (laughs) trials and tribulations there um i i know that you go into some of that in the book what was the hardest part for you to write in this book oh my gosh um definitely like i mean sharon and i had a really like tumultuous time in our lives (laughs) and that was really hard we're like past it now but it was really hard and like breaking up with somebody is hard enough. And, but it was also like, we had just both been on drag race and she had one and I was in the final three and it was a big, it was, everyone had their own ideas about what that, what that was. 
And then when when that was no more because we were going down our own fucking paths of drugs and getting wasted and, you know, uh, um, having affairs on one another. Um, uh, it was really hard and, and it was public. So we, People Magazine did the thing where they do the rip down the center of the picture. Oh my God, we were like celebrity breakup. We were like Brad, Brangelina. That was really hard. And like going back into that place where, you know, she and I were like getting into physical fights while Lady Gaga was playing on the record player. That's, that's rough. Yeah. How are things between you two now? We're good. Uh, she always says that she says, I, I, I didn't lose a boyfriend. I gained a best friend. Aww. Oh, I know. It's sweet. It's a good sound bite. She's good at sound bites. <laughs> she is good at sound bites. <laughs> she knows what she's doing. Um, well, I guess another thing to ask here is there's definitely lots of little juicy tidbits in your book. You've mm -hmm. talked about some of them, but is there anything that's really juicy or scandalous um, that you can t tell us about without giving away the whole story so people read your book? I don't know. <laughs> I should know. I don't know. What is in here? I have no idea. <laughs> I just got off a plane a little bit ago, and I'm like brain dead. Um. Oh, Burning Man. That was fun. I went to Burning Man and um did ecstasy in the desert. Um. I don't. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't know about. That's really fun. Chi Chi LaRue. That, I mean, I talk about that fucking show all the time. It's the first drag show I ever did. And it was like a contest and I won. I won't tell you the story. You can read it here in the book. <laughs> well, perfect. Um, you did mention drugs. Um, and you do talk about, you know, substance use in the book. And then also sort of your journey with you know staying away from that and sobriety and what that looks like for you um i think that's a really important conversation especially as drag queens especially as people in the scene and entertainers you know you're totally surrounded by a host of things that can be really fun but can sometimes also be a little dangerous or you know derail you or distract you from what your goals are what you're trying to do yeah. um so what um I guess, where are you with that now? And, and, you know, what can you tell people to sort of help folks in that similar situation or people who are struggling to get through it? Right. I mean, for me, it was like, I never knew what drag was without getting wasted. I never knew what that was because it just went hand in hand. And so when Sharon and I broke up, you know, we weren't just boyfriends. We were like drinking buddies. And so it was sort of like, like I was really, I was getting sick all the time and like getting throat infections. And I was like, I have to like, so I took a break from drinking and then I was like, oh, this feels sickening. I'm just going to keep doing this. And I did. And I quit for like, I don't know, two and a half years or something like that. But it was a time when I got to discover what drag was was like what being on stage and performing in drag and not you know being blurry about it being actually there and it was really really transformative and like it changed my life so i mean i'm not 
I'm not going around, you know, I'm telling people, ne- you know, don't drink. Like, I literally am selling vodka with my name on it. So, <laughs> drinking is fine. But it's also, like, if I want to let young people know, like, whatever they're pursuing, whether it's music or writing or whatever, try it out without any without anything else and see how see what it see what it's like maybe you'll hate it maybe you'll like it at least try it out i love that give it a try yeah it's not for you it's not for you and if it is it could change your life yeah love that well i know that we've talked a lot about this book but you're doing so many things right now and you've released already i think three studio albums um and you're now getting ready to release a fourth i've heard yeah tell us a little bit about your new album yeah sure it's called red for filth because it's my fourth album my fourth solo album and it's very influenced by like when like my first tape my first tape I ever got was Ace of Bass. And so it's all very based in like that time period. And all the music is very referencing like Ace of Bass and like Backstreet Boys and like that vibe and that feeling. Um, and I really like the music. It's really fun. And um, I don't know. It's really good. And we're going on tour next year. And we're going to be coming here to San Francisco. Yeah. Like, and I say next year, like, it's far away. It's literally like a month away. Yeah. Buy tickets. <laughs> Are tickets available now? Yes. Okay. See? Um, what can folks expect from this show? Um, uh, uh, well, that's such a good question. <laughs> and I usually say it's a surprise because that's what I say when I don't know yet. But no, we kind of know. I I wanted to, like, tell a story. I wanted to, like, we're going to do all the new music. It's going to be like a concert, but we want to tell a story while we're doing it. So it's like the story of a young young singer-songwriter named Alaska, and she's from outer space. And then she gets she gets crash landed on a desolate wasteland planet known as Earth. And then she has to, like, find her way back. And on the way, she, like, discovers this music. And um, that's what I want to do. And we have dancers. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I know. Are you going to be doing a lot of dancing? A little. little. The dancers will be doing a lot of dancing. (laughs) I get to stand in the middle. How many costume changes are you envisioning? I don't know. A whole bunch. bunch. All right. All right. Yeah. Fair fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Um, do you have a favorite song from the album yet? To me? Yeah. For me? Uh-huh. Personally? Uh-huh. It's like the least popular one, which is Without Your Love. It's very, uh, thank you. It's like a B-side, because we've been, like, releasing them slowly, and sometimes they're, like, it's like a single with two songs on it, so we release, like, a bonus track. It's a bonus track. It's a B-side, but it's, like, I really love it. I just love the sound of it. Well, I can't wait. I haven't heard it yet, so I can't wait to check it out and buy it on iTunes, right? It's available on iTunes. Yes. On everything. Uh, Yeah. And then you've got your tour coming out in 2022, but I've heard that you're actually coming back to San Francisco before then. What are you doing your holiday show again? Yeah. Yes. Jeremy and I are doing a show at Oasis. 
on the 22nd of this, so like in a week. And it's going to be like, it's not a holiday show. It's a, it's a winter solstice cabaret. So we just want to, we have, it's been a really long time because we've been really busy with our own things. It's been a really long time since we've gotten to, plus there was a worldwide pandemic. I don't know if you heard about it. Uh, we, so it's been a long time since we've gotten to just like do a show where we, it's, it's us and a piano and we just sing our favorite songs. So that's what we're doing. Um, well, I don't know, like next week, the 22nd. Well, I can't wait to come and see you yes. on the 22nd. <gasps> I have a question about the pandemic now that you've brought it up. Mm-hmm. Was it, were, during the pandemic, were you able to actually, like, buckle down and work on all the stuff that you're doing now? Like, I know it takes a lot of time to think about shows and your album and produce all that stuff. I mean, was that what you were doing during the pandemic, or what was it that you were up to? It was, like, book, it was like book time, during during that and it was like a, lo- a lot of us were taking time to like you know reflect on i mean for me it was like i was like what is drag <laughs> because you because we were told all of a sudden you're not allowed to go out and t- do this thing that you do all the time so you, it really was like figuring out what the essence of this thing that I love so much that that like what is it so it was like figuring that out and then also that was the time when I had to be working on this so it was like I don't know it was it was very that and you know sitting in front of a webcam and doing drag it was a lot of that do you enjoy which I mean, do you there are things you must enjoy about doing web shows, though, right? I mean, it's, they're kind of amazing. Hell yeah. Like you can be like out of drag from the waist down. Yes. Like, it's so nice. You don't have to be wearing shoes. You can get up. No, yeah. Yeah. I kind of like never want that to go away. No, literally RuPaul in the, you know, when the video message comes up in the workroom. Ooh, girl, that like that video. Uh, that's my favorite type of drag because it's just from here up, straight on. You're in charge of the lighting. You can grab a prop from over here if you need it, and no one, everyone's shocked because the frame is only this big. I love it. Or or the judges panel on Drag Race, right? Very that. <laughs> Give me some sweatpants yes. and some slime underneath, underneath that's right. the table. <laughs> um, I, so I know we've talked about your book, your music, the shows that you're doing. I'm wondering if we can maybe even take it back all the way to season five. Okay. All the way back. All the there. way back, girl. <laughs> back to those days. We're going to have to sweep out those cobwebs and try and remember. Um, what for you um, was your favorite part of that season? Like, what was the favorite part in the show that aired that you just are like, that was really cool that happened? Oh, my God. I know. It's really hard to think that far back. I know it's, like, so, it's so, like, kumbaya. But, like, honestly, like, getting to know, getting to know the girls there and just, like, being there was like because i was convinced i was gonna go home every single episode because i was like i can't i'm not gonna win sharon just won like that doesn't that does not compute i am not here to win so i was just thrilled to be there any second i was there um so just like being in that weird pink room i don't know i i don't know 
that I will ever go back in there, you know? <laughs> and why would you? I mean, like, also... I would. You would? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So you're, like, ready to go back. I'm waiting again. for RuPaul to call me. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you could just start your whole new spin, your own spinoff on the, sh- you know, and have your own show. You know what I really want to do is like just build a replica of the Drag Race workroom. Okay, what would you do with that? I don't. I'm not sure that because the possibilities are endless. I feel like it would be a little anxiety-inducing for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe in a good way. Maybe like you know, like you would go in there and just like have a revelation or like it would be like going to therapy or like yeah. you know what i mean it's weird and make the air conditioning really cold again yeah oh yeah. god that was hell that was really hell <laughs> <laughs> but good for when you're in drag good for when you're in drag um are you so i know that you talk about this in the book a little bit but um you know you were in the top three and then you know i think a lot of people thought that you were going to win um and then you had your moment where you did not win and that was really hard. Um, Do you think that you see yourself ever going through that kind of thing again, where you compete on a show and, you know, God, I hope not. No, it's dreadful. Yeah, it's mm. No. And, and any, anyone out there who's thinking of auditioning for drag race or anything, my only advice is don't win. It's horrible. No, losing is so much better. Well, because then you also get to go on All-Stars. There's that. There's also the, like, always having the possibility of what could have. Winning is like, oh, yeah, you did it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck you. You didn't deserve it. You know? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, don't don't win Drag Race. (laughs) <laughs> well, is there any other advice besides Don't Win Drag Race that you would give to drag queens who are out there today? I always say Lady Bunny's advice, which is retire. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's no, I guess um, be nice. I, I attempt to do this myself most of the time. Sometimes I don't. But, no, be nice to people because it's, like, I think there's, like, an idea that, like, to be a drag queen, you kind of have to be, like, (laughs) you know, rude and, like, mean. And, like, that's not, I don't, that's not, like, real. (laughs) Like, be, like, I don't know, try and be on time, I guess. I try. I don't know. Try. The the key word there was try. Yeah. (laughs) Make the attempt. Um, Well, you know, it is really good to have you back here in San Francisco, especially. uh, Oh, by the way, thank you again for submitting a video for the studs funeral. That was really sweet of you. Oh, yeah. Um, Just so folks know, we are still trying to find a space. So we may be bringing it back. So keep your fingers and toes crossed. Amazing. Stud t-shirts out there. Um, but I know that you also have a connection to San Francisco drag and the studs. So I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit about that. It was my 22nd birthday. I came to San Francisco on a whim. Uh, we stayed with my college roommates, like cousin. And it was like a Tuesday night. We were like, what do we do? And they were like, you have to go to the stud. You have to. You have to. So we went, and I was just like, it was Duran Duran night. 
And I was, and I, I looked at that show and it was like, it was like wet and people spraying shit and, and like crazy it, water balloon. Like it was just so, it was so wild and it, and so unhinged and like visceral. And I was like, I, I watched it and I was like, I'm I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh where I was going to school. And I, I like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do what they're doing on this stage. And I'm going to do it. And I, that was like the inspiring moment, like San Francisco, the stud, like that was the inspiring moment that said, I can do drag. Like I can do that. I can be that. That's so funny. I had a very similar moment at the stud where I saw a drag queen who was out there and she was just really fierce and just singing live, which I hadn't seen very much of ever before. Right. And I was like, oh, that is what I want to do. And yes. So, yeah, definitely. Lots of folks, I think, inspired by the stud stage. And, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we will see the lights go on again soon. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I have a piece of the floor. You do? They sent yeah. it to you? Oh, uh-huh. I'm so glad. Yeah. I do, too. My partner's like, what do you want to do with this? I'm like... We're going to hold on. We're going to find some place to put it, someplace mm-hmm. sacred. Um, I actually just moved into a new place, and it is literally across the street from the stud. So oh. I see it every day. It was hard at first, but oh. now I just think about, like, all the great memories that we had there and the fact that we may be bringing it back. So that's exciting. What is it now? It's nothing. It's a gray box with nothing in it. Okay. Yeah. You know? Capitalism. That's how it works. Um, I know. At least I would hope that they would do something with it, but they haven't. But then it's also one of those things, like, once they do do something with it, I just, I can imagine the, what they're going to have to face. Because people were actually tagging it, like, literally every other day, covering it in graffiti, like, with the best things. And, like, we as the studs owners are just, like... (laughs) Like, people, they were, the owners were contacting us, like, what the hell? Like, why are people doing this? We're like, we haven't told people to do anything. <laughs> this is the community doing yeah. it all on their own. And it was. Like, people were really upset that that space was taken away from them. So it was, um, it was really interesting for a while just to see, like, every day there was, oh, somebody put something new up there. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I know that we have um, a bunch of audience questions. Work. So we're going to start going through those. Um, this is our first one, and it's, what's the biggest lesson you learned from RuPaul? Um, that nothing you say matters if the cameras aren't rolling. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean that's true. <laughs> this is this is the thing about about RuPaul and I love fucking RuPaul. Okay. I I love RuPaul so much. But I, but it's the thing of like every uh, like there's such a there's such a like there's such a like a thirst for like oh is she, is she really a monster is she really like awful and horrible and mean and like crazy and like is she is she running oil drills in her backyard and like all of these things and i'm like essentially who this person is is a a really present uh hilarious uh like like um, uh, 
evolved, but also fucking so disciplined ass person who, if they were not at the helm of this show, it wouldn't, the world would look a lot different. So, like, essentially, I don't know, RuPaul's fucking awesome and. He can drill a fucking he can drill an oil drill in my backyard if he wants. Uh, well, I mean, I definitely agree that you know RuPaul has changed the world, um, and I think yes. for the better in a lot of ways. So, yes, yes. thank you, RuPaul. Um, this question, there's a whole statement here. So it says, "Hi, my question is about." Um, building space and community, Alaska. How do you build community uh, and make genuine connections while on the road? Oh, and then there's one for me. So let's, let's, you can answer that one first. Um, well, it's hard on the road. Um, whose question was it? I want to like look at it. No one's admitting to it. Okay. Wait. Oh, hi. Hi. It's really hard on the road because you're on the road and you're like there for 10 minutes and then you do the show and then you pass out and then you sleep for two hours and go to the airport. But I love, I, I love getting to a dressing room that's full of drag queens because you can be so exhausted and you don't know where you are, what time zone it is. But as soon as you're in that dressing room, it's like you're among your family at all of a sudden and your friends. And so like, I don't know. I try to like, I try to connect with the girls. I'm horrible at remembering names. So it takes me years to remember names, but sometimes I do. But I love, I love drag queens. I'm the same way. It takes me at least twice of meeting someone before I remember their name. I'll remember their face for sure. But the name, it's just, it's hard when you're meeting a lot of people. I blame uh, iPhones. Mm. We used to have to have storage in our brain to remember our friends' phone numbers. Do you remember? Yes. And now we don't have that practice anymore. 8387824. That was my, that was my, um home phone number growing Aww. up but now i don't know i i don't know anyone's phone number right 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 or name <laughs> i mean looking like that you don't need to know it very much honey <laughs> just kidding all right um so the question for me is honey do you ever find new this is you have really cute writing by the way um do you ever find new spaces for black queer people in the bay after being such a staple here in the bay with the transcultural district um that's a really great question i think that there are um you know one thing that i think is really important is to also have like spaces that are you know either owned and op- or like predominantly operated by people of color in order for them to really like feel not just safe but actually to build spaces that people of color want to go to um and we don't have enough of that in the bay area and specifically in san francisco for black people like i just think that we need to do better and we need to have more of that um but i will say that there are um specifically for black people one place that i have been really consistently surprised with and feel really good about and this is for queer black people is um the powerhouse which may be surprising to people 
But a lot of um, folks who I think, you know, made the stud their home for many, many years ended up sort of migrating over to the powerhouse. And um, it has become so much more inclusive. And I think, you know, it has to do with, you know, a lot of people like Juanita Moore and Glamour Moore and other folks really investing in that space, creating shows there, putting drag in there when it used to be like a leather bar where people would have sex in the back room. Um, And now it's like, just a really welcoming place up for people that are yes, gay men, but also um, trans people. And um, even, you know, um, cis women will come in there and, and I think feel much more comfortable and safe in queer women. And I was in there the other day and I, you know, was just sitting, it was just a regular day at the bar. I was just like, Oh, I'm just going to stop by because it's around the corner from my house. And I literally watched like, I'm like, Oh, there's already, I got to the bar and there was already three other black people in the bar and I sat down and I was like, Oh, there's another black there. There there are six black people in here now. And then it was like, wait, there's eight, nine black people in the powerhouse right now. And like two white people in here. So like, it just became like, I just started noticing how many black queer people and trans people were coming to the powerhouse. And so I think that that is like now that for me, the cool space to like go and connect with people. And, you know, I've always been much more of a Soma girl anyway than the caster. No offense to the caster. The caster is great and wonderful, but Soma just feels a little more like home to me. And I, I just, um, I'm really glad that I have that space at the powerhouse. Have you been to the powerhouse? Once or twice. (laughs) (laughs) it's good i actually used to take all i take all my um cis women friends with their new boyfriends there it's like a litmus test for me like Um, right mm -hmm. you know yes it's good um so here's the next question (laughs) you passed the power (laughs) test you're in (laughs) it's real i love it um so who is still on your dream list of guest judges what on I guess on drag race. On drag race. Share. Ooh. <laughs> She's gotta do it. She has to. Has Kylie Minogue done it yet? I don't know. Someone said yes. She has. Has Danny Minogue done it yet? Because you know that would be a little easier, right? Right. I think Cher would be fucking awesome. And it's just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, has Dolly Parton done it? No. That'd be iconic. I mean, it's such a, it's at such a, you know, apex right now that it's like, I don't know why they wouldn't. And it's usually just like timing and. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's so many incredible inspirational people who have, you know, I think really set the stage for drag in many ways, um, you know, uh, whether it be cis women or other drag queens who I think could definitely be. I would love to see Sister Roma as a guest judge on drag. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, okay. Here's uh, our last question. Unless there are more, that are, there are more that are coming. Great. Um, what's one piece of it? Oh, we already did this one. What's well, what's one more piece of advice for young or aspiring drag queens? Um, well, okay. Um, don't, I mean, okay. YouTube and Amazon exist and YouTube is a great tool for learning how to do makeup and do hair and do all of these things and like do drag. It's a tool that I didn't have when, when I was 
learning how to do drag, I would look at MySpace and I would look at pictures of like Hecklina and Peaches Christ and like try to do that. Wow. I, they were my makeup <laughs> inspiration. <laughs> I mean, back in the day, though, like, you know, Peaches, I mean, they, they look gorgeous. But yeah. back in the day, we all looked a little rough. So I'm just saying. <laughs> that was what I wanted to like. I wanted that crazy, you know, stacked San Francisco makeup. Yeah. Um, but now there's these tools, which are great tools. YouTube, I mean, eBay, Amazon, whatever. The problem with that is that everyone starts to look the same yeah. in drag. Mm-hmm. And like everyone has the same, like the, the same clothes and they're painting the same method of makeup and so it's weird because all the drag queens look the same so like learn how to do drag using these tools but figure out what you like about it and throw out the stuff you hate and and um figure out what makes you different yeah i love that and i think um i mean i think you raised a really interesting point which is something that i love to talk about which also makes me feel a little bit old which is how drag used to be before drag race because i think there's a part of it that's like yes youtube has definitely helped homogenize what makeup looks like but also i think drag race has also set a standard for what drag is and looks like and it didn't used to be that way drag i feel like used to be very regional like drag in san francisco was different from drag in new york was different from drag in la which is different from drag in the south like in chicago it like you could see it in the way that people painted in the types of numbers that they did like it was it was like a dialect yes Um, and what i would love to see is for some of that to come back and maybe like you know be able to be like oh there's a san francisco queen right there you know right um how to make drag sort of like very regional and specific and you know really celebrating that difference yeah because now drag is like now drag is a viable career path (laughs) which it was not because drag race didn't exist and now it's like now it's like young people are like well i'm not gonna go to college i'm gonna go on drag race which is like great i mean that's great but it's also like before that existed so now people like can look at drag race and say okay well if i want to do drag race i need to look like this and i have to have these things and i have you know whereas before that it was like well what do i like about drag what makes me feel like fucking her you know Mm -hmm. yeah the game's changing yeah well um Here's another one. Please tell us your favorite song and why. P.S. Love You. Very cute. Uh, my favorite song? Like, ever? It's so hard. Wait. Oh, shit. I wish I had my Spotify number one played song that would tell me. Oh, your favorite I, song ever. <laughs> I ever. think it was New Attitude by Patti LaBelle, actually. I love that. So, I mean, that isn't what I would immediately think of, but I guess I listen to that fucking song a lot. So, that's a really good one. Um, Jeremy, what's my favorite song of all time? Do I have one? Um, sure. Is this a method? Oh, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are both really fantastic. I have nothing. Thank the, you. The Bodyguard soundtrack is really... 
the where it's at. Yeah. Iconic. Iconic. Stunning. Um, Stonosha. Well, this question is slightly different, but somewhat similar. And it's which artist makes perfect music for performing any new discoveries this year? Uh, I would. I just watched a documentary about Alanis Morissette. I've ne- well, I I did uh, uh, not too long ago. We did a show where I did all the Golden Girls, and I dressed up like each one of them. And I did, and as Dorothy's Born Act, I sang "You Ought to Know" by Alana by Alana Morissette. But as Dorothy's Born Act, and she's really mad at Stan. You know, it's about him. <laughs> um, so. I, uh, Elena, we, I mean, we're talking about the Bodyguard soundtrack. That's the number one female album of all time. Number two is Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe she, I, I yeah, I could see that. I could see kids doing some Alanis out there. Yes. I love that. Music's really good. I love both of those. Um, when you started performing, did you imagine drag becoming as mainstream as it is now? And are you surprised? Yes, I'm surprised. <laughs> and no, I did not. No, no, never. I was just doing it because my soul needed it. Yeah. And I was, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was like, I'm, I can't be an actor because I don't want to (laughs) because i can't like i can't go to auditions and do all that i can't i can't do that that's why i moved to la was to do that and then i got there and it like didn't happen and then i was like i was working a job and i didn't like it and i was like what what actually the fuck am i doing with my like life my existence and it and it was drag that i was like i'm gonna do drag because it makes me feel happy and like I'm not fucking a piece of shit. And it ended up becoming like a a, a way that I met people and made connections and like found this community. And so, um, yeah, no, but it's surprising. It's surprising to me in every way. And I'm very grateful for it in every way. I love that. Um, I'm going to take it back to your book just because you made me think of it. Um, you, In your book, you write about um, performing in drag. And um, I believe it was at one of Hecklina's shows down in L.A. And your mom came and she brought her your stepdad, I think, to the show. He didn't pass the powerhouse test. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> They're not together anymore. Okay, he didn't pass the powerhouse test. See? Um, <laughs> It's a very good and accurate test. It is. Uh... Um, so, I mean, and obviously your mom has, you know, also like in, in the book, you talk about how she supported you and she was there and she appreci- she appreciated it even if, though she didn't quite understand it or you didn't think that yeah. she understood it. But does she get what you're doing now? Like how, how do, what does she think about all of this? Oh, she loves it. She's the first comment and first like on any Instagram post I do. She's, she's, uh, she's amazing. She's so supportive. But yeah, before Drag Race... It was, she was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? She was worried for me. She didn't know what drag was. She didn't know that was a thing. And so she was scared for me. She was worried for me. But, like, that's another thing Drag Race does is it teaches, you know, parents. Like, your kids are actually, like, doing something. I mean, yes, they're, like, 
probably running around and doing drugs and doing things you don't <laughs> want your kids to do. But uh, they'd be doing that anyway, right? There's also a community, and there, there's an art to it, and like drag helps, drag race helps to like definitely helped educate my mom and my parents about it. I love that. Um, one other thing that you mentioned, which I'm not sure if it's in your book because I may have skipped over that part, but um, you used to work in a very famous porn store while you were in L.A. Yeah, Circus of Books. And you were in a documentary about it. Yes. I love that. Um, um, can you tell us a little bit about that experience, what that was like? Well, Freddie, uh, who is in Head Over Heels, yeah. who's from San Francisco. Yeah, Freddie. Um, just sent me a picture today of this book in the new, in the same location of Circus of Books, which is now at Shishi LaRue's store. How fucking, how full circle is that? Because that was one of my first jobs when I moved to West Hollywood. Chi LaRue was the first drag show I ever did. My book is now in her store. Wow. The Matrix is broken. What is happening? <laughs> That's weird. Um, so, yeah, no, that's, I did work at Circus of Books. It was a porn store. It was not as ex exciting as it sounds. <laughs> All right. Well, fair enough. It was like a mundane, horrible job. <laughs> but at so least everything was covered in lube. <laughs> it's not that different from now to get in the latex. It's just like, <laughs> right. hey, you wear latex a lot, don't you? Right. Every now and then. Yeah. You know. Uh, um. So I don't know what made me think of that. I just, I feel like it's just such a good story, <laughs> but then maybe kind of not. I don't know. No, Circus of Books. It's, <laughs> it's an iconic landmark. It is, right? Yeah. Oh, porn. Um, speaking of, <laughs> this, is, this question is funny. Is there a story or experience that didn't make it into the book that you wish did? Uh, my friend Lola didn't make it into the book. <laughs> My best friend Lola. Okay, uh, I did it. I her name is not in the book because I'm a terrible friend, and I, I some somehow I talked about like the pageant that we like built together, and I say we, but somehow in the like in the para para like the tightening of the text or whatever, somehow. Her name has been excised from the book. <laughs> so I had to like <laughs> apologize. I'm going to send her flowers because I didn't even know. I was like, of course Lola's in the book. She's one of my dearest friends. You're going to have to send her flowers on the anniversary of its publishing every year until you die. <laughs> I am. It's going to have to happen. Horrible. Uh, well, sorry, Lola. Sorry, Lola. But it's a good book. <laughs> um. Okay, the last question we have is, what are you most proud of in your life? Um, uh, I guess it's, I guess it's, um, it's really nice to, um, it's nice to know that the things that, and when, you know, I mean, 10 year anniversary of season five, but to know that there are young people out there who are who are looking to us and being inspired by what we what we've done or what what we are doing and that is like that makes me want to keep going makes me want to be better uh and that is like really that's astounding yeah. um so yeah that that's pretty special 
Well, thank you. And thank you for being such an inspiration to so many people. I mean, you are well-loved all over the world, which is reflected in your millions of followers on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. But also, I just want you to know that I think you're absolutely incredible and such a lovely human being. And I'm so proud of you. So thank you. And make sure to check out her book, My Name's Yours, What's Alaska? Available now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. You've been listening to a podcast of Inform, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Support our podcast and find out about upcoming live events in San Francisco at informsf.org.